the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 22. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Hey, Tammy. How are you? It's your birthday. It is my birthday. What do they call it? My belly button birthday? Your belly button birthday (laughs) in the room. They call it that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. the first time I heard that, I'm like, what? Who's going for what cake where for what? Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so today, yeah, I'm 47 years old today. 47. I know. I realized I, I mean, I hope this is true, what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, I get to celebrate a birthday today, and I am not going to complain about my age. I hope ever. No. Mm-mm. I don't complain about my age. Yeah. You know, I never really have. I never have. I've never really been one of those that have, has lamented over their age or getting older. I don't know why, but yeah. um, I have it. And now it's not mean I, I rush to it with open arms or anything <laughs> either. But right. uh, I think that's a good attitude to have about a birthday. Yeah, I think this year especially, it's just really important to me. Like, I get to have a, another birthday. and For sure. I am really lucky. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. So, I'm happy today. I had a bunch of nice little cards I opened up this morning. And I actually received a really beautiful gift from our guest today um, in the mail about an hour ago. Oh, so really? It arrived on my birthday. And, and um, it's a beautiful gold necklace with a circle. Um, kind of pendant. It's really beautiful. And I meant to say something on the interview, but she'll hear it now, I guess. Um, It's just so perfect. And kind of the full circle of how her and I have become friends. Her sobriety date is on my birthday. Um, Her Ray of Light interview um, was on my blog today. Um, And then we did this interview with her on her sobriety date on my birthday. So the whole thing, very full circle for me. Very full circle. And I guess we haven't said her name yet. Oh, we haven't. No. (laughs) Sorry. This mystery person is going to walk out of door number three. Right. Right. You want to introduce her or do you want to chat about uh, our weekends or do you want where should we go? Uh, you know, real quick, I do want to chat because, uh, you know, this is, we're recording this, um, and it's, sometimes we have recordings, uh, in the vault this one we are recording on the fly. And so uh, this will come out in just a couple of days. And I just want to acknowledge um, that I'm in a, that my state is in a horrible, horrible state of distress right now. Everyone I'm certain knows that uh, I'm from Texas and Texas is suffering right now. Mm. And I, uh, I live in Austin, so I'm very fortunate. We had a couple of days of storms, and that was it. So uh, I am personally not affected. However, I have family that lives right in the middle of all of it. And uh, it has just been – its 
it is a disaster of biblical proportions. I mean, it's it's crazy hard. Um, even if you've been watching the news and keeping up with everything, it's hard to wrap your head around for even me. And I'm very versed in in all things Texas. I I am from Houston. Nor I grew up. I was born in Houston, and I grew up uh, northeast of Houston and lived there until I until I turned 18 and graduated from high school and came this way to go to college. And I never lived back in that area again, but I have family that lives there. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. I've lost a lot of sleep. I've shed a lot of tears. And um, it's just hard to wrap your head around the devastation that's that's happening right now. I think it's safely estimated, and this is probably even lowballing it, that 8 million people have been affected wow. by this storm. I know. Can you believe it? No. Isn't that crazy? That is. 8 million people. Oh. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry, Sandra. It just, it looks devastating. Yeah. It's just horrific. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that there are catastrophes like this that happen all over the world. Um, and you know, I do, I do fret about the state of this planet all of the time, but it is a little bit different when it hits very close to home. It just affects you a little differently. And, uh, so, so yeah, that's, um, that's what I've been doing this week. I started this week, um, thinking it was going to go a different way. (laughs) I've had, I, it's all of my projects have been curtailed by, by this storm. So anyway, oh, it makes the the feeling of powerlessness like comes through oh, so big, just right? Utterly powerless. I, you know, and it's not f- funny, haha, but funny that you know I often compare the feeling of powerlessness to not compare, but I use an example of the weather all the time because that is your ultimate state of powerlessness. And I even try to translate that to my children all the time when they're sad because rain has spoiled the swimming trip or whatever, you know, that this is the ultimate lesson in powerlessness. We cannot control the weather. Um, yeah. But yeah, this has been one huge lesson in powerlessness. And we, my husband and I are trying to get to Houston uh, this weekend and our entire city is out of gasoline. <laughs> oh my because, gosh. Yeah, because there was a panic, even though the railroad commissioner says that we are not, uh, should not no one should be in a state of distress. Everyone completely lost their mind yesterday and filled up every tank and receptacle with all of the gas in the city. And there is no more gas in Austin right now. (laughs) Oh my, that's huge. Yeah. You can drive by any, uh, filling any gas station in this, in my surrounding area. And they all have plastic bags over the, the nozzles all out of gas. So will you stay home or? Um, I think we're hopefully my husband has, he's at work today, but he, he has to go, um, in the morning because he has to deliver some machinery to, uh, some dear friends that took on 30 feet of water in their house and which 
basically is, I think they had a two story house, but it's almost the entire house. So he, and then his, he has to go check on his father who you've met before. And, um, his dad lives in, uh, downtown Houston. He is safe, but he's basically been on an Island for the whole week. And so, uh, he has to get there. Yeah. so today I, I, he works about 30 miles from our house and I, you know, suggested you should probably just keep driving south, keep driving until you find gas. Surely maybe out on the perimeter of Austin, I don't know, maybe there wasn't as much panic as there was in the city. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, and it just keeps it just keeps going. I feel like it just keeps going. The cities of Beaumont and Port Arthur, which is where my ex-husband is from, and uh, I'd spent lots of time there. That's where Mary Carr is from. They um, don't have water, and they don't know when their water supply will be turned back on. Um, there's a, a chemical plant right next to my brother's house that has been exploding since... Uh, the day before yesterday just like exploding exploding (laughs) yeah so chemicals there are particular chemicals could not get to room temperature um or they become explosive they catch on fire and uh they uh sure enough did that because they lost you know first they lost power then their generators got flooded then their free you know then their freezers warmed to a particular temperature and sure enough and they had already been evacuated by the national guard but they have a horse that's on their property they nobody can get you know like nobody could get in anywhere within you know five miles of the plant yeah um, because it's dangerous and the plant's not releasing exactly what uh what these fumes are consisted of they're being very vague and uh so who knows? I think the EPA is going to have to get on it now. Oh, it's just it just doesn't stop. Right. It's crazy. It's going to be a long time. It's yeah. going to be it's going to it it's who knows what the recovery will look like. And uh, and so that's another lesson and you know, not future tripping and just trying to stay in the day. Yeah. So figuring out what you can do today. To help. And speaking of, um, you know, I've given some money, as much money as I have to give, um, not holding any back, but uh, I'm going to, prob- I'm, since I'm probably going to stay home instead of go there, and I'm, my husband and I are just going to kind of divide and conquer, uh, I am going to just keep putting things up in my marketplace and, um, when anything sells, I will be donating at least half, if not more, to to one of the on-the-ground uh, organizations that um, I've, you know, vetted and figure yeah. can do the most, the most bang for the buck. I think that's great. Well, you inspired me, and um, I was talking to my son, and he has this poem that he wrote about home, and the, the end of the poem is, um, I feel like a home that walks is kind of the sentiment that, you know, your home can be within you. And I know when people uh-huh. are displaced, you know, sometimes yeah. you don't have your physical home, but you, you know, right. you have your family. Um, yeah. I don't know how realistic it is for me to hand letter all of those and to get those up in my shop by Monday. 
Um, but I also was thinking, like, I heard of this whole Joel Olstein stuff about him not opening his church, or I don't even know what all the details are. I was reading some stuff. But what, what struck me was that seemed like a lot of drama attached to that. I don't know if it's true oh, or not or whatever. Yeah, I just scrolled on past yeah. because it's not helpful. It's not, it's not productive. Totally. It, it's not productive at all. So what I thought was I was like, I love that acronym for God. Um, and that when in, in recovery and recovery from anything, maybe a natural disaster, but we need to choose grace over drama instead of going kind of down that road. For sure. So I thought, well, maybe that I can do that over the weekend while I'm traveling. Um, I'm heading to Boulder and I can get some prints made while I'm there and then Mm -hmm. put them up in my shop while I'm traveling. And then Monday, when this airs Monday, hopefully they'll all be up in my shop and I was going to just sell them for 10 bucks and I'm going to give all of the proceeds to, um, a fund that I'll chat with you about, which I I might be that together rising fund because they were going to match the funds. Uh-huh. that were donated or it might be that I think there was an underwear fund like buying underwear for kids uh-huh Brene Brown I think yeah. uh there there is an Amazon yeah it's a it's a it's a underwear company that I don't know the hashtag for or right well their site is but I think they're working with Amazon to provide uh packages of clean underwear and I would like to just real quick make one other point about that there's so many um there's so many on the ground organizations yeah. to donate to. Um, but don't, and that's another, um, piece, a dr- another drama piece as well. Don't get so wrapped up in which one is the best and what is the right kind of help and mm-hmm. the right kind of giving. Don't let that overwhelm and stupefy you into doing nothing. Um, Absolutely. and I've seen a, so much of that drama on uh, Facebook too. Facebook has actually been monumental in um, exchanging information. Uh, it's amazing how uh, what an amazing tool it's been this week in exchanging very important information among groups of people. Yeah. But then you know you can scroll uh, three inches and then come across another argument about which charity is the best and which organization is the worst. That, and that's what it's I like saw. Such a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I saw. And that's why when it, when I thought about it, I thought I could knock out a bunch of hand lettered originals of grace over drama. And that could just be a mantra for lots of things in our life and, and mm-hmm. could, 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 um, definitely, um, lend itself to this situation, but also just any situation. And, um, I liked, I think you were giving, um, some recommendations for grocery stores in the area. Um, Mm -hmm. I was reading about local food banks or will gladly take some Mm -hmm. donations. So I'll I'll think about that over the weekend. I'll probably chat with you. And then, um, so yeah, that's what we're, we're trying to do our part. And we just didn't want this episode to go up and just go straight to interview. We wanted to just acknowledge and not acknowledge it because it's, I, I would be, uh, lying if I pre- did, pretended like it wasn't in the yeah, forefront. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for educating me, Sandra, too. And, and our listeners, I'm sure you're right there. And um, yeah, I just hope everybody's okay. Yeah. Well, with that, we'll segue into our lady yeah. of the hour. Um, yes. And let's see. We have Caitlin Schumacher. And she is a singer, a producer, a writer, an artist, a home cook, a really good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her professional name that she goes by um, is 
the initials, the acronym NMMD. And she explains what that means on the podcast. And her website, uh, we wanted to let everybody know what that was, which we'll put in the show notes as well. NMMDEVER, E-V-E-R.com. And you're going to want to check out her site. Yeah, we put that in the show notes. You're going to want to check out her site. You hear her and her music uh, every time you listen to our podcast. She did our intro and our outro. Um, We met Caitlin online. She is an Australian that lives in Berlin, and she has a beautiful accent. You like that too? (laughs) Um, And uh, we have really gotten to know her over the last what year i guess yeah, year and a half for me yeah over, yeah uh-huh and, and uh we know you're gonna you know we know you're gonna love this interview yeah thanks for making time to do this today sandra oh yeah i'm excited for people to get to know her and her work and all that she's celebrating today and um just to hopefully give some people some hope too you know and uh we all have these different paths and that's what we're trying to do with these interviews to kind of share what it was like a little bit, also share her creative world. And she, mm-hmm. she's a completely uh, creative person and in everything that she touches and does and how she lives. Yeah, and I get yeah. really inspired by that. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely walks her talk. Yeah. So enjoy the show. Enjoy. Hey, Caitlin. Hi guys. Hi Caitlin. Hi. I'm well, so excited to finally be able to talk to you. I know. I was just thinking the same thing that I've never actually spoken to you before. I've, we've read all of the intricate details of each other's lives, but we've never actually spoken before. <laughs> Isn't that kind of weird at first when we do that? When we, um, you know, like the first time you and I had a Skype date and you had the video on, I was like, Oh, she's going video. Okay. I've never done this before. <laughs> You're the only one I do that with Caitlin. <laughs> uh, I know. I saw that. I saw that in your, um, in the article that you, that you, in the ray of light interview that you put up today yeah. and I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm the one who gets to see you in your studio and I get to see right. you when you haven't done your hair yet. That's right. All the well, Speaking of, I heard you just went plat. You were just going platinum blonde, so we kind of wish we had video. (laughs) That's right. I'm kind of glad that we don't. (laughs) Okay, so how? So so you have black hair, and you you're going platinum today. So how long was that process? Oh, nine hours. (gasps) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know it was crazy. Um, No, I've been dyeing my hair very dark brown since I was a teenager. Uh-huh. And um, and my hair is probably I don't know like seven oh, sixty to seventy percent gray now, mm-hmm. and so I just kind of wanted to like you know get to the point and just get the dark out and go fully gray and see how it would look. Mm-hmm. But getting the getting the the dark um, hair dye out of my hair was um, was difficult, and then we f- we found that I had um, I completely forgot that I tried henna once. And it's just, I don't know, it's a thing that hairdressers know, but um, if you dye your hair with henna, it doesn't come out. And so we, we put the bleach on and then the, the ends of my hair went like a bluey green color. Oh, <laughs> don't you love that? Yeah. Oh. I to all off. So I now have a gray pixie cut. 
You do. I cannot wait to see. I bet you look adorable. Well, that happens in, in Texas a lot because we have a lot of swimming pools here because it's so hot. And all the swimming pools have chlorine. And so if you uh, dye your hair a lot, especially like platinum, and you get in the water a lot, you you have a chance of your hair turning that really lovely green color. Yeah, and I actually had that color hair when I was a child because I actually, I was quite blo- quite light when I was a child. And uh-huh. we had a swimming pool and we had all had green hair all yeah. the night <laughs> in the summer. Yeah. It's not a good <laughs> It, if you're not intentional yeah. with it, it's not a good. It. It's not a good look. <laughs> well, we should probably tell people like who you are and how we met a little yeah. bit for a little bit of the intro. But um, I know that you. Um, well, I'm gonna let you share. So I'm gonna ask you kind of an open-ended question. But you know how how did you come to connect um, with me and Sandra, and when? Did you get sober? Well, today is the 1st of September as we're recording this, and it's my sober birthday. I'm one year sober this day. I love it. Um, Yeah. Exciting. Thank you for sharing this big day with us. I appreciate it. I know it can be a little nerve-wracking to do these things, but I totally appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just really grateful, actually, and I find the serendipity is just its pretty crazy because you're – interview with me for your ray of light series tammy is up today i know and then we're having this talk today and you two both have been such a an integral part of my of this year you know mm. and so it's pretty special for me to be able to share it with you oh same uh, same same gosh the first that that year mark is oh. such a big deal oh i knew oh. i can tell you exactly where i was and i'm sure i i will remember forever so it's a very special yeah. day it's a little bit i don't know it's kind of a little bit um like it has a feeling of shell shock about it it's kind of like whoa i, I yeah. did it it happened i did it uh-huh. <laughs> i'm doing it yeah. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what your tipping point was or what got you to this um, decision? You know, kind of just to let our listeners understand kind of in a nutshell, we try not to stay stuck too far in the past, but we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, you know, what it was like a little bit, what happened. Yeah. And, and then here you are at, at a year. Well, I had, I had known that I had a problem with drinking since I was about 20. Um, and I certainly had a couple of friends in my early 20s who, who voiced their concerns about my drinking. But um, I soldiered on with that for another 24 years. Um, and, yeah, it got it, – it, it was – I mean, I guess you could, you could say I was more like a – you know, I was a daily – and I binge drank like everybody else. Um, but I had a very a highly functioning life. And, um, but it got much, yeah, that my, my reliance on alcohol got really deep when I, um, went into post-traumatic stress disorder, um, sort of about six months after my daughter was born. And, um, I, um, yeah, I, I, all at once I remember, like I'd always known that my childhood wasn't typical and it was difficult and there was violence. Um, but I hadn't realized the extent of it until it all just came back all at once, the repressed 
memories of abuse and um and I felt that I couldn't live actually um and my only kind of um my kind of way to to sort of stay here really was just to get drunk every night and um and really drunk and uh and then I did a lot of um a lot of therapy and I did I did a lot of seeking to try to help and heal myself over the years and I actually was quite well successful in the sense that I got past that um, the really debilitating um, PTSD and I could see my life opening up and I could I had hope and optimism again um, but alcohol um, was not I could see that it was not going to work if I was going to continue drinking the way that I was and so I decided I should stop and then found that I couldn't Mm, um, right, it already yeah. had its grip. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I just couldn't stop drinking, and then, um, and then I found Holly at Hip Sobriety, and um, and it's funny actually. I missed. I I wanted to join the the class that you did, the first one, Tammy. Oh, the but, winter um, winter twenty sixteen. Missed out. I think you know you were we we did the winter 2016 together, but I yeah. think you did another one in 2015, didn't you? No, no, I just did one. You part of? Are you weren't? No. Oh, I thought you did the. Well, anyway, so the very very first school I had wanted to do, but I missed out by like a week. I just I just got to it too late, and then yeah, and then I did the um, the winter 2016 school, and um, that I mean at that point I was really absolutely determined that. Um, that I was going to stop drinking, um, and, but it took a while. You know, we did the the course started in January, and I didn't get my first, um, you know, my my forever day one until the first of September. So, you know, eight months later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I, I somebody told me it may have been my sponsor that you know it's not surprising that people continue to drink after. You know, they've been introduced to sobriety, or even you know, or are trying to quit. It's it's surprised that it's surprising when people do stop drinking. It's more surprising. Yeah. So it takes. Well, I think it's it just looks different for all of us, you know. Um, for sure. And I think take it how you can get it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and and for me, the the the, the truest thing that was ever said about um, about sobriety and the, the journey. The journey to it and the journey in it is just keep going. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Yeah. And um, and that was that was it for me. I knew. I think Holly wrote it in a post one time, and she said that um, that she wished that she could go back to the, the girl that she was, who was trying to get sober, and say, you know, you want it, therefore it's yours. And that and I really took that to heart, and I just felt mm. I just felt like I could keep going. I thought I I know I want it. There's absolutely no shadow of a doubt that I want this for myself. And so every time I slipped, I just picked myself up and kept going. Hmm. You know, that's what we do. Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about your childhood drama because it really, or trauma, it doesn't really, you know, the specifics of it don't matter as much. But I did have a question because I had some childhood trauma as well. Um, Do you find that it built a certain amount of resilience in you? Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, definitely. But it's something that I'm only now, like really in the last couple of months, um, I'm able to connect with and acknowledge, mm-hmm. 
you know, I needed to hang on. To, I, I needed to hang on to the story of um, of resentment and you know and victimhood. And I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people talk um, negatively about you know this this victim energy and and seeing ourselves as victims. But for me, I felt like it was so important for my journey to acknowledge that I was a victim, mm-hmm. you know, and live yeah. in that space for a while to be able to rise out of it. It's true because. Uh... There is a case for uh, an argument uh, for too much resilience because then you never, ever tap into the pain. Um, right. You, you never let yourself experience the pain. And then if you are p- pouring alcohol on top of that, you're, you aren't. You're ne- you know, you're just numbing it and you're never going to address the pain. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, yeah, you need to go into the into the abyss to be able to come out the other side with all of the wisdom and the true resilience. Because mm-hmm. I would have said, I would have said that I was a I was a, a survivor. I think if if someone had said to me five ten years ago that I was a victim, I would have been really offended, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but um, but but I realized actually that I had that that it was just bravado. It wasn't, I wasn't a true, I wasn't truly surviving or thriving. I was, I was stuck in this, I was, I was truly stuck in the victim energy because I refused to see it. Right. That's you know? exactly but my experience I, as well. Yeah. 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 And now yeah. it's true resilience. So yes, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. You had, you said, a, I'm just pulling a, a sentence out of um, your interview, but you talked about how alcohol strengthens our weakness and weakens our strength and that freedom from alcohol sets the trauma free. And I thought that was just a really beautiful way that you kind of succinctly, um, you know, that it strengthens our weakness. And that made me, made me just hurt when I read that, you know, for so many years of people are struggling. It's such a trap because you, because we turn to it because we just can't cope with, I mean, I can just speak for myself, but I just do, I could, I didn't think, I just couldn't live with, I couldn't live with the memories of my childhood. It was just impossible, and I just um, I, I, it felt impossible. Um, but once once I started, um, you know, getting stringing days of sobriety together and learning about staying with the pain and you know not running and you know that we're that we're made in the fire. Mm. Um, all of, you know, then then I started to see how how the alcohol was just a, a trap. It just kept it kept. It was keeping me stuck in hopes, you know, cycle, this hopeless loop of just running and falling and running and falling and running to stand still, you know, not actually ever getting anywhere. Right. And um, and the running is so much more scary than the staying, which is crazy. Right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense at first, but with a little bit of time, that's what you start to see, right? You kind of wake up to it. Yeah. And uh, Totally. So, um, and you can't do that when you're drinking because you're no. too hungover and fuzzy minded and yeah. full of shame and self-loathing it's not it's not really possible to to stay when you're when you're drinking you know yeah you want yeah. to escape that uncomfortable feeling right so you're or constantly heal. trying to find it's a way not, out it's impossible to heal anything yeah uh, when it's although i mean you're saying in that alcohol. i actually did a lot of Sorry, I didn't. You cut out there for a second. What did you say? No. Oh, just when you're steeped in alcohol, it's hard to heal. But go ahead. You were gonna. I think you were gonna add to that. Well, what I wanted to say is that I actually did most of my trauma work while I was still drinking. 
You did. And, um, yeah, that's yes, true. That's I true. The, 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 yeah. And it wasn't, and it was once I got, I got some, 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 you know, distance, some kind of, um, yeah, distance from the past. Once I could actually really be in the present and see that, um, I started to feel like I can do this. I can actually, I, I want to live, you know. And um, and so when I got sober, I feel like it, it made my path easier because I know what happens for a lot of people is that they get sober and then all this, the trauma rises up and it makes staying sober really hard. Right. Well, yeah. then, you know, then I guess there there is that argument that alcohol was, in a sense, working for you. Yeah, Until I hate to say it, but it's true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe mm. it, you know, it worked for you enough to get to a place where then you could, you know, fully be in the present and heal. Yeah, look, I'm, I would never want to advocate for doing it the way that I did no. it. But, yeah. <laughs> no. But, but, you know, everything happens for us, and that's my journey, and it's been my path, and it's and it's worked for me, you know. I'm, I'm here, and I'm good. And that's um, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. So, so you have this. Um, I'm going to switch gears here. You have this beautiful Australian accent, and um, uh-huh. and you're in Berlin, Germany. Yes, I live in Berlin, Germany. Yeah, I've been here for so, 17 years. How did you end up there? Well, well, I mean, I if you can tell us, yes, yeah. Yeah, I met my husband in Australia. And um, we, it was the, the, the universe moved mountains to make sure that we, that we got together. It was really funny. There were so many obstacles that came up, but then so many kind of, I don't know, it just it felt like it was meant to be. And, um, yeah, and I, we kind of very quickly knew that we wanted to work together and make music together. He's also a musician and a DJ and a producer. And, um, and you know, I came, I was young, I didn't have kids, I didn't have any responsibilities. And he was like, why don't you come over and we can try this thing. And I did. And that was 17 years ago. Oh, my gosh, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A long time, right? And yeah, and you totally is Germany your thing? Like you love it there? And you feel like a German now? (laughs) A Berliner? (laughs) Well, we were the first five years in Germany were in Thomas's hometown of Bremen, which is in the north of Germany, and oh. that was not my cup of tea at all. Um, and then when I was pregnant with our daughter, we moved to Berlin. And I knew, I mean, I knew the first time I came here when we were still living in Bremen that this was my city. I just felt that, you know, that feeling that you get when you're, when you know that this is where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's how I felt, and that's how I still feel about Berlin. I get homesick when I'm away from Berlin. Aww. <laughs> And you, you have, have so you a Berlin look. You look like you're yeah. from Berlin. You, you just yeah. you're you're you have an edgy look, and and I've only seen you in black and white, and yeah, <laughs> and that sounds like me. Yeah, <laughs> you really look like you fit in Berlin. You you have ich the bin ein <laughs> You what? Ich bin ein Berliner. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, it's something JFK said when he was here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's, I just realized that's a German joke. You guys, are- <laughs> <laughs> we're so American right now. 
<laughs> well, okay. So you, so I know um, that you have a home in in, in Berlin. Uh, um, you live in in the city, but you also have a studio in the city too. Is that correct? We do. Where you work? We do. We have a little a little basement studio not far from where we live, um, and it's great. It's a, such a, a wonderful space, and it's in a really lovely neighborhood. Um, and we're just really lucky that we found it before everybody else wanted to live in Berlin. It's quite a popular <laughs> place to, to live right now. And um, it's completely soundproof because it's in a basement. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, really, it's a really beautiful space. How long have you guys had the studio? Oh, um, probably 12 years. So, the, so where, yeah. where, where I'm going in my head here is like, is that um, the separation of home and work for you guys? Has that is that key? Is that important? Since you both are creatives and you're both at home, um, you know, yeah. do, do you need that to kind of like lock the door and go down the street and go into studio mode, or do you create at home as well? I guess is what I'm asking. I yeah. create both. Both. I, I'm always traveling with bags full of stuff so <laughs> doing things at home and at the studio um yeah I like I like to be able to do both it's nice to have the flexibility well um, I think well, this might be a silly question but just to clarify do you consider yourself a musician I mean do you call yourself a musician well it's always a bit of a difficult I feel like a bit of a phony when I say yes because oh I have, okay no, okay but I have see, you no make music training. Right. Okay. But I do, but I do make music and I compose my, you know, I compose our music. I mean, it's electronic music, so it's not like it's orchestral music. But yeah, I mean, I shouldn't feel like a phony because no, then um, you're a musician. Yeah, it's like yeah, right. Then you're a writer and yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I've been releasing music for seventeen years, and you know, right. composing and 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 writing um, my own songs and songs for other people and. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's one of those things, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think when we were doing your bio for the um, Ray of Light, you know, we were going back and forth on like what to put there. And um, I looked at one of your bios that I had found online. I was like, is this okay? And it was singer, producer, writer, artist, teetotaler. And I love that. (laughs) That sounds about right. And, um, it covers a lot of the bases. I know not all the bases, but yeah, you, you have, um, many talents. Mm. Well, I don't know about the writing's <laughs> a talent yet. <laughs> it's, I don't, I think it's something I'm actually very good at. Like the, you know, the writing of, um, I mean, I think I'm good at writing songs, but writing, uh, you know, words, stories, memoir, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel compelled to do it. It's like, it won't let, leave me alone. So I keep, slogging away at it well um, you, you go ahead Sandra. no go ahead no go ahead uh, no i was just we were art exchange partners um for the recovery gals art exchange and, and we got picked mm. twice to be partners and i felt so lucky um me too uh, and it was just so great in your art so how long how long have you used your art you know whether that is music or writing or um visual art and or cooking i know you're passionate about cooking as well but have, do you use that to kind of fuel your recovery? I mean, that's kind of what we talk about on here. Has that, have you seen that kind of shift or change with your recovery? Well, I mean, I've never, uh, well, I hadn't really done any kind of visual art before the, before 
I was in recovery and um really wow not at all and I and I'd seen I started following you Tammy on Instagram and I was looking at your art and I was like oh I love that and maybe I could do that too and it kind of reminded me of some of the things I was kind of looking I was kind of doing at the time we had a bit of a similar aesthetic there for a minute and I thought maybe my art's good too Mm. and then I think um then I think you responded to one of my first Instagram posts and said that you thought that my art was kick ass and it just was (laughs) like really yeah really it just lit me up I felt yeah and I think it must have been lying dormant I think it definitely triggered a very positive response from something that was within me because I just love it I really I really enjoy um painting and drawing well, that's amazing because I have one of your pieces too, and I just assumed that it was something that had just you maybe uh, had tried earlier in your life, and it had just gone dormant, and you picked no, it back up. No, that was the first time. I, yeah, because you we were the you were my first exchange partner. Mm-hmm, we, I have on your, the very first one. Yeah, I have your reflection piece, and I love it yeah. so much. It's hanging uh, right above my bed, right where I sleep. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, look, that was the first time I'd ever worked with acrylic paints or anything. It was, yeah. Oh, you're natural. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, because yeah. you really, both of you have been instrumental in bringing that out of me. Aw. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, th- I just think it's like this really, um, when I was busy drinking, you know, I, I thought of all these things that I wanted to do. You know, we've talked about this on the show before. I just... Um, didn't have, didn't make any space in my life for that. Talked about it late at night or would dream about it a little bit, but just never, ever made the space or time or room for it. And then when you stop drinking, you just get all this time, right? Yeah. (laughs) Just like, I got to fill this in a positive way that makes me feel good. Or especially with this art exchange scene, you know, like we could see each other with our projects and, and, I think the person who makes the art gets this beautiful benefit of making it based on a theme. And then the person who receives it gets this whole other thing that is unexpected and really beautiful. And it just kind of keeps going back and forth. Yeah, I love, I love it. And I think that having a theme um, is so, for me, it was, it was that's just that little thing that I needed to get, to get started. You know, I think if I had have just been left to my own devices, it would have been much diffi- more difficult to um, to just get rolling. Um, but when you have a when you already have a theme, you've already got like a, a way to channel your you know creative energy. Right. Well, for people who are listening that don't know, Sandra, she invited me to collaborate on this project called the Recovery Gals Art Exchange, and it is based on a theme every quarter. So like right now we're working on the autumnal equinox exchange, um, for fall. And that is the theme is connection. And so that people who are doing it can pick any medium, any way they want to do it. It does not have to be visual art. Um, Caitlin, you wrote me a song that is so beautiful called hold on. And I love, it was so special. I'd never received anything like that before. And it was just, yeah, it just really touched me. Um, so it, but it could be any type of medium for people to exchange. And I loved seeing, I like seeing how everyone is interpreting the theme and how they're taking that and running with it. It's kind of exciting. Every time someone shares, it's like, 
makes me really happy. Totally. And I think it's really special for people who haven't, um, you know, seen themselves as creative types because so many people think that they're not creative. Mm-hmm. Right. And they just need an in- invitation, right? An invitation yeah, totally. to, to try. Yeah, and it really, and, and it's kind of like these like shy little artists kind of come peeking out and, and you know, just sort of trying to do something. And, and it just feels, fills us all with such um, joy and, you know, the joy of creating something and the joy of, of receiving something and giving something. It's, um, it's really beautiful. I love being a part of it. Oh, good. Well, I'm so happy that you're a part of it. Yes. How do you, so I've, I've always said, I've said this many times that almost since the first month of my sobriety, I felt this sense of urgency, you know, like I've been making up for lost time and I, and I, I, I don't feel it as strongly as I did in the beginning of my sobriety, but then I still do, you know, like, yeah, you know, my creative list is a, is a, is a book basically. <laughs> I want to accomplish <laughs> before <laughs> before I'm exhausted. But um, do, do you ever feel that way? I feel like I read that in your in your Ray of Light interview. How you feel like you're making up for lost time. I know that I I feel that way often. Yeah, it's funny. For, I I feel the same way. But for me, it's actually um, knowledge. I've um, I've oh, been, yeah. yeah, because one of the stories that I was told about myself and that I always believed was that I was not smart oh. and that I was not smart enough to do things. And so this year I've enrolled in every e-course, whether it be about writing or um, meditation. I've learned about um, psychic healing um, I've done a number of writing courses actually, and I'm doing another one right now. Um, so that's, and, 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 and just reading books, you know, and learning about, um, you know, brain chemistry and, um, and trauma and how it, how it kind of rewires our, our brains and how we can, um, how we can heal ourselves and just understanding more about, I mean, it's, I guess it's all been kind of, you know, addiction related um in Mm -hmm. some way um but it's just it's just really powerful to because i think that's a thing too like when you're drinking you can't really retain much information either you know let alone the stories that i was telling myself that you're not smart enough to read that book and you'll never understand that but um it's really it's really hard to comprehend even you know simple books when you're drunk you know right Right. or even when you're just fuzzy and hungover yeah. Yeah. Could, yeah. It would take so me at least three times as long. You know, I mean, I yeah. I many times would sit in the library and just try to pound it out, but but it would take, you know, much longer to comprehend something. Yeah, exactly. So so that's that's where I feel like I'm kind of making up for lost time. Um but as far as creativity goes, um for me when I was drinking, um well, I you know, I wrote most of my songs when I was drunk or drinking and smoking cigarettes. So that was um, obviously something that I wasn't doing anymore. But I kind of pushed myself. I was a bit of a round peg in a square hole with my creativity. I pushed myself into a kind of version of myself as a singer and a songwriter, um, mm-hmm. and really and really kind of um, squashed down my true voice. 
Mm. So I'm really, and this is where writing um, memoir and creating visual art is really helpful for me because it's something that I'm not, that I haven't really done before. So it's kind of, I feel like I'm coaxing my creativity and my, my true voice out in another way. Mm-hmm. Because um, to be honest with you, songwriting is still a really, it's still really hard. I'm not, I was going to ask, really has long. it been hard yeah. to get back in the studio without, without alcohol and cigarettes? Yeah. I mean, I, it's not even like I miss them or feel like no. I need them to create, but you just have it's to relearn more, how to do it. Yeah, and just trust myself because I feel like that kind of um, that muscle in my body got told to do something else a different way for a really long time, and I'm just training myself to just like just to be um, yeah to be really authentic with what I'm creating musically and what I'm writing as far as um, you know lyrics and and melody and you know the the vocal performance goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that way about writing forever. Like I felt my muse would only emerge when I was drinking. And yeah. I but I needed to catch it really quickly before I started oh. Oh, yes. jumbling words and making nonsense. So yeah. I only had a short window. <laughs> it was very Yeah. It was a it was a brief muse. <laughs> totally. And I and for me, like that that ship had already well and truly sailed. You know that wasn't working for me at all anymore in the mm. end so mm-hmm. i you know so it's a relief not to have it around you know it's never something that i felt like i i wanted to or you know that i lamented that it wasn't there anymore it was more the um the squashing of of myself you know mm-hmm. the kind of the, the yeah i think it's like a neurological brain path that my 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 creativity got used to working in a certain way and i've got to it's got it's got to relearn to be to be more authentic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's why I want had a question, not that it's not authentic. I wanted to, to clarify because on some of the music that you make with Thomas, I know that he puts it, it's featuring Caitlin. And then yeah. I noticed that the music, is it the music that you are writing on your own and that is, is your creation that you use your professional name, which is an acronym, it's NMMD. And can you mm. tell our listeners... What's- what that means and and can you differentiate the two yeah well um nmmd is um, an acronym for not my mother's daughter um because that's the truth and something Mm -hmm. i've worked really hard to break the chains Mm -hmm. of um of of what she sort of passed on to me and, and my sisters and and i think was probably passed on to her but um yeah, and it's a it's a pretty I mean it's a very intense thing to say, but it's um it's really powerful for me, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. so that's why I chose it. And um, but it's it's a new thing as well. It's um I was always Thomas and I our first band was called Electrochemie, which is a German word. How do you spell that? What um, is that? So electro with a K. So E L. Let me write it down while I'm saying it. E L E K T R O C H E M I E. Electrochemy. Okay. Maybe how you would say it in English. But that was our first band together. And then, um, yeah, and then I fell apart. Hmm. We, I couldn't go on tour anymore or do much of anything for the first couple of years, you know, once, once the PTSD came rushing in. And, um, yeah, and then... 
so he yeah we did we we split up the band at that point as well and then so whenever I was on whenever I was featured as a vocalist on any of his um work um he would put in featuring Caitlin Mm -hmm. but um but we've always been working together in the studio um and always producing together I just don't put my name on everything which I'm which I'm also changing now because I was always griping about how I never get recognition (laughs) but then you didn't advocate for yourself (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but I needed that too I so needed just to be you know in hiding for a long time I really it, it was good for me in that way as well but you know Moving forward, it's um, if I want recognition, I have to let people know that I'm doing things. Yeah. Right. You're evolving. Well, yeah. that's why I was, when I was looking, you, so you recently just kind of redid and revamped your website, which mm-hmm. for this technophobe, I, you know, it's a big <laughs> deal to do, right, on our own. But you also probably get the byproduct of the satisfaction that you did it. And so I went on and looked at it again um, this morning, and it's just so beautiful. It's so you, Caitlin. It like it's just it's interesting how Squarespace Squarespace gives us these templates. Yet you know, and so anybody can use them, right? But everybody is tweaking them to make them kind of their what what they're into, what their what their style, what their aesthetic is. And so yours is really beautiful and I love it. And so I just wanted to ask you like, what made you decide to do that? And what was the process like? Cause I I think maybe you're like me a little bit in terms of designing a website, like not Uh, your thing. I was totally, um, oh, defeated by it. (laughs) I tried, I tried so many times to make it work the way that I wanted to but I was telling myself the story that I'm not good at these kind of things and I'll never be good at these kind of things and once I realized that I was telling myself that story I decided to you know I just decided to change the channel right and drop um, it. yeah yeah totally and and I um and so I just went in and chose a different template I think what I've been trying to do is push the template that I was using into the hole that I wanted it to fit and um you know slow learner <laughs> finally decided to use a new template and it worked brilliantly but there you know but I think it's also so important to to drop perfectionism it doesn't look exactly the way that I want it to but it but you know but it's good at, it's good enough um and, hmm. good, and good enough looks pretty damn good right? yeah yeah really does yeah and that's yeah. the lesson right in sobriety that we're kind of yeah. learning too Because, yeah, when you're trying to attain this perfection, and even though, you know, we are attaining complete abstinence from, from alcohol, um, there's all this other wiggle room that, that, um, kind of opens up when we do that. You know, I used to think it had to, you know, me being an all or nothing is what I, the story I've told myself, I'm all or nothing. And so then I never quit. Yeah, yeah I've told myself that one before. Although I do have a tendency for that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I was drinking at, at the in the end, like up until a month ago, I was drinking like ten cups of coffee a day. Mm. <laughs> you know? I couldn't just have one in the morning. Right. So, you know, I've had to, I've had to, I'm abstaining from coffee now too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Well, well yeah. um, yeah. In, yeah. In, isn't it amazing how much you can figure out now, though, in sobriety? <laughs> That's what I just <laughs> surprise myself all the time. You know, like. 
how yeah. how uh, Tammy and I figured out how to make this podcast. It's like I can figure out almost anything now in sobriety, whereas before things would look so monumental to me that I would give up, you know, a quarter of the way in. And it's because my brain just wasn't functioning properly. No, totally. Same for me. My brain would literally grind to a halt and it mm-hmm. would just not, it would just go, nope, I can't, that no further. And then, of course, you know, we tell ourselves, uh, I mean, alcohol is a depressant. So we're constantly being nasty to ourselves and feeling terrible about ourselves and telling ourselves how much we can't do this and we can't do that. And um, But I think it's also, for, for many of us, the you know, this kind of awesome feat that it is to get sober is so empowering as well. You sort of feel like, you feel like a superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. My, the, the best thing I was told in the very beginning of sobriety was that it's a, it's an exercise in learning to love yourself again. And that's yeah. exactly mm. what it's been for me. Yeah, me too. A worthy exercise. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, I want to mention this. I keep trying, I keep saying, don't forget, don't forget. So I think what, what you just talked about, like we need to ask for help in sobriety too, right? Like, so it's the all or nothing. And then we, these stories we tell ourselves and, but it's also what I found when I, when I removed alcohol from my life and when I couldn't figure out how to do something like a website or, or me telling that like, I'm just not good at that. So I'm not going to even try, but we had to ask you for help. So when we wanted to do this podcast, we're like, we need some music. And immediately we're like, Caitlin. (laughs) And you so graciously agreed and helped us. And, you know, um, the intro music and the end, I don't know what, what do you call it at the end of the podcast? Is it outro? Outro. (laughs) Outro, I think. (laughs) Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. And you did both of those for us and let us use your original music that you, um, we're working on. And is that Freaks and Misfits? Is that the song? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that that's the song. song. Right. <laughs> Freaks and yeah. Misfits. That's, it's like perfect. I'm, yeah. Raising my hand. <laughs> but um, and, and anyone can listen. That song is on your website, correct? Like, it it's is. It's a song in, in its entirety. Exactly. I have two, there are two music um, places to go on my website. One is to stream music and another one is to purchase music. Not all of the music um, that is that you can stream can be purchased on my website because it's licensed to other record labels. But the, but that's one of the songs that you can actually purchase on my website. You can you can download you can buy a digital download. Nice. And it will go. Yeah, and it will go. And, and once you um, double click on it, it will open up in iTunes, and it's got all the information and the artwork pops up. And yeah. Can you um, share your website for our listeners so that they can know where to go? Yeah, it's nmmdever.com. It's hmm, so pretty. And you, and that pointillism painting that you um, gave me for the exchange is is that artwork right there, and I love it. Yeah. That you yeah, created. I used that. I didn't think you'd mind. No, not at all. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> it's ours, right? It's ours. Yeah, you're in my studio with me. I love it. I love it. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, I don't know if we can ever thank you enough because that was kind of a piece when I was down in LA last September and I'm listening to all this free music and we didn't want to obviously steal from another creative or use a song without paying for it or getting permission. Like we didn't want to do any of that. And, um, 
it was just so generous and so nice of you um, to do that. And because that part was seemed like this really big part that we couldn't get past. We talked about it for a really long time, right? Sandra, I mean, in September, we started searching and then it was like March, I think, um, maybe February or March when we really were like, we need to ask for help. We need to reach out. And you were like, okay, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. But you were, you were so sweet with it because it did take quite a while. And I remember sort of, um, cause I had asked you for a deadline and it was coming close and you were like, Oh, just checking in, seeing how it's going and just want you to know, no pressure. And, you know, we can always use this, some stock music and, um, yeah, it was really lovely that you kind of, that, that you took the pressure off. Um, well, and we and, had um, no idea how long it takes to write a piece of music. <laughs> well, it. We're just like, surely she can just walk right over to her uh, <laughs> area. That well, would be so nice. <laughs> I think it's hard to create on demand. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, Caitlin, or, or you, Sandra, but the reason I don't want to do a lot of commissions, because I found the few that I've done, um, it makes me not want to do it. <laughs> it's almost like I feel the pressure of it, and I feel like it's out of my hands a little bit, like that someone else has an expectation. So then I'm like, I'm not super motivated to do that for me. Well, it was funny because, because I, I kept trying to, when I, when I, I, like I spent quite a bit of time, um, working on different ideas and, but it was always, again, a version that I thought you wanted, you know, it wasn't really coming from, Mm. from my, I, from me yeah. and I think that's probably what you're talking about with the with the commission yeah um and then I was working on freaks and misfits at the same time and then all of a sudden I just realized oh well then I should just take a take a piece of this song which is totally from my heart and very me and turn that into you know just sort of change a few bits and pieces put some drums in because I knew you guys wanted to have um you know kind of like a not an explosive opening, but that kind of, you know, the Tom role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, yeah. And then, and then you guys loved it. So it was perfect. Yeah. Oh. So if you, anyone listening, if you want, if you love our intro and outro music, you can go buy the whole song. Yeah. On one site. Very one euro. That's it. About, oh, we need yeah. to buy a lot of them. Yes. All of you freaks and misfits. <laughs> go buy. Head Get over. on down to nmmdever.com. <laughs> Buy yourself a copy. I also really love Black, the song Black that you're featured on. That makes me want to dance. I really like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you have a beautiful voice, Caitlin. Um, I always, there are always things that I've, there's like just a handful of things I've always been envious of other women. And one has been hair. Like I've always wanted like really big hair afro (laughs) hair thick hair like just a big head of gigantic hair and another is a a, you know a really good singing voice I try but I haven't made it past I haven't made it past um you know maybe church choir level (laughs) do you but do you enjoy it I love it yeah that's the thing I but I'm sure it. you sound beautiful. I didn't know you, you sang, Sandra. Oh, yeah. I get to learn something about you every day. Look at uh-huh. that. Something new. Yeah, I'm a singer. Well, you know, I'm a singer in my world, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my car, in my shower. Ask my kids. I have my very best friend from college has a, a beautiful voice, and she's another one that I always tried to push her up on every stage. And 
Um, you know, she just, but she's got an amazing voice. And we sing a lot of Fleetwood Mac together. Oh, okay. Oh, perfect. And, Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we harmonize and everything. So I can oh, sing really well with so her. Cool. So, oh. yeah. Anyway, I would probably make a decent backup singer, maybe. That's, that's, that, would, that would probably be my singing job. My, my only okay. claim to fame was that I was a lip-syncing artist <laughs> at the community fundraiser called The Cabaret, which is really not a cabaret, by the way. Wow. It's just a bunch of people's <laughs> lip-syncing. <laughs> Kind of like the community fundraiser to me. Yeah, so <laughs> I was tam- I sang Tammy Wynette's "Stand by Your Man," uh-huh. oh, and I was dressed up like Elon Woods, who was married to Tiger Woods, um, after his sad debacle. Um, and that night, when I went to perform, I had two shows with a bunch of other people. Um, I was I did not drink that night, and for me, that was wow. unusual because I was so nervous all the people having to do something like that. But I really did not want to make a jerk of myself in front of the entire community. And it was silly enough as it was. And I was stone cold sober and I did it and it was funny and everybody loved it and great had this great blonde wig. And, um, it just, uh, but that was kind of at the time when I was starting to wake up to like that, I had to consciously keep thinking about that, that I can't drink, I can't drink, I can't drink. That was like, why do you have to think like that? Like, when did that happen? When did you have to start planning and plotting that, you know, what you weren't going to do because you didn't want to make a jerk of yourself? That was kind of the beginning. That was in 2014. That was at the beginning where that whole year I just thought a lot about it before I quit drinking. Yeah, but no, no singing. Right? For, those, for those moments. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah. no singing. Um, Real quick, I wanted to, I, I know we're getting towards the end of our end of our interview, but I mean, I think everybody's going to want to hear about this because I know, Caitlin, you and I share an appreciation, and I think Sandra does too, for Rich Roll. And oh, yeah. <laughs> have you guys been watching his stories when he's over there for this race that he's in? Uh, no. <sighs> Am I the only one that's that upset? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I he's... wait for the text that he's very... <laughs> has very little clothing on and then I, then I hop on. I'm like, Sandra, have you been watching today? Okay. This is going to make me sound like I got an issue, but, um, I know that ritual plays a part in, in your, in your life too, right? Like in, in, um, choosing a plant-based diet. And I just wanted to know if you could yeah. share a little bit about that. Cause I think, I think his book had a part to play in that. And yeah. you seem like a phenomenal cook, by the way. Yeah. Everything, every Aww. time you mention something that you're cooking or you've made, it, it makes my mouth water. So go ahead. Oh, I, I definitely have been blessed with that. I'm, I must, I must have, like be honest with that. I'm, I am. Uh, I seem to have a magic hands when it comes to the to the kitchen. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure how I found out about Finding Ultra, Rich Roll's book, but I did, and I read it, and I was very inspired. And um, and then I don't know. I guess he was the because I I'd, I'd been a vegetarian for like 19 years, and then after I had my daughter, I was um I was quite sort of physically sick as well. I kind of never recovered, and then I found out that I had um, issues with my thyroid, and and every you know and and anybody who could speak was telling me that I should eat meat, that I had to eat meat. And so I started eating meat in an effort to feel better, but I never really enjoyed it. 
Um, and so I had, sort of had this swinging relationship with meat. I would stop eating it for a while, but then I felt guilty because I still wasn't feeling well. And so I would start eating it again and still not feel well. And then when I read his book um, and, he, and you know, read all the information about um, the fact that, you know, where do, where do animals get protein from? That They get their protein from plants. So we can get our protein from plants too. Like the whole sort of protein argument flew out the window in that moment. And for me, it was just such a relief that I, that I was like, oh, I get to be a guilt-free vegetarian. Oh, right. Yeah. And then, um, and then with the vegan side of things, it was the same thing. I just felt like I don't like um, the way that, um, you know, what animals have to go through so that I can eat cheese and drink milk. And, and I don't think, um, you know, all the evidence is pointing towards the fact that we, it's, we don't need it for our health. So mm-hmm. for me, it's just a no-brainer. I'm so happy to not. Um, although I, I call myself plant-powered. I don't like the, the term vegan. I think it sort of has like a bit of fanatic. Either. Yeah, it sounds too fanatical and, you know, judgmental of others. I like plant powered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you just made some incredible cheese the other day, you told me, right? I did. I did. Because I made... Rich Roll's wife does the whole This Cheese is have Nuts book, that right? Book I have not. I have their first, um, I have the plant power way, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm a bit. Um, I'm a bit reluctant to buy more kitchen equipment. I have the feeling to really get the most out of that um, book, you need to have a, uh, like a, a dryer or something, right? A, yeah, a dehydrator. A dehydrator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, from talking to really, yeah. go ahead. No, from talking to you and about sauces and things, and that's when I we ordered a refurbished Vitamix. Because you're like, you'll use it for everything, Tammy. You can just put tomatoes in it. You make your own sauce. You just, and so I've been making basil kale pesto lately, which has been so easy, so delicious. Um, so and, good, right? Yeah. But the cheese, do you do the cheese in the Vitamix? That's where I wanted to ask. Or do you use a food processor? I, yeah, I just throw, I threw the ingredients into the Vitamix mm. and then um, put it into a saucepan and just heated it up and it just thickened up beautifully. But I will say that um, I tried. I did another one that wasn't thick enough. I added the, I added um, some tapioca flour to try and thicken it. Once it was already heated, it went lumpy. Mm. I threw it into the Vitamix, and something happened to the molecular structure of it, and it didn't work. So mm. I would, yeah, that's my tip. Don't try to fix <laughs> things in the in the in the Vitamix. What type of cheese was your successful one? What type of cheese was the first one that worked it well? A, it was a it was a cheese sauce, mm-hmm. um, and I made a thicker version of it so that I could spread it on bread on our camping trip and make plant based melted cheese campfire sandwiches. That sounds really good. Yum! Oh my god, so good! You can't even imagine. It was <laughs> so delicious. I know. It's like. Yeah, I totally do not miss eating um, dairy or meat one little tiny bit. And I feel so much better. And I know you guys are feeling better too, right? Yeah. I really doubted that that I would feel better. And honestly, I didn't, almost didn't want to feel better because (laughs) I knew I would have to commit and change everything. So, but then I felt better immediately. And I'm not saying that I will never eat another piece of meat because I I might, I may, you know, it's, 
I mean, I live in Texas. We have great barbecue Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, but I feel so much better. I feel amazingly better enough to where I just keep going. I think it's a journey, you know, like my husband was an absolutely committed carnivore. He refused to eat broccoli. Like he was just so not into vegetables at all. And he is plant powered as well now. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. that's a good. That's a ringing a, endorsement. Yeah, and 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 what he's what he's found is that he he was having you know he decided to try it for his health, mm-hmm. and then he would have these meat cravings, and he would go and get ribs or you know some other thing that he used to enjoy, and he didn't enjoy it anymore. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he didn't feel good. He didn't like the taste as much, but he also just felt really gross afterwards. Are there lots of options in Berlin? I mean, is that a, a food movement in Berlin? How do people? It's getting it's getting better. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's getting better. It has not had a reputation as a foodie town at all. It was pretty dire when I first got here, which is another yeah. reason why my cooking is pretty good because <laughs> I kind of had to. Um, but it's getting better. It's getting much better. And and I mean, we just seller and I um, just did a trip through through Germany down into Switzerland. Um, and, you know, even in like, um, you know, cities like Nuremberg, which is just famous for their pork dishes. And, you know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to get vegetarian, let alone vegan. And I took out my, I have the Happy Cow app on my phone, which oh. is an app that sort of shows you where all the vegan and, you know, vegetarian restaurants are in your, you know, in the area where you are. And there was like 10 different vegan restaurants to choose from. Nice. nice. And that's called Happy Cow, the app, Happy Cow? Happy Cow. Check that out. Yeah, and it's worldwide. It works everywhere. It's very cool. That is very cool. Never heard of that. Hmm. Yeah, and it has has reviews, like customer reviews and stuff on it too. And yeah, definitely recommend it. And it's not just vegan restaurants. It might be restaurants that have, you know, sort of um, registered with them to say that they, that they have vegan options. Some options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which really, that's fine with me too yeah. I guess I never well and this is just you know people pleaser but I never want to be the pain in the ass who's like eh, we can't eat there because there's nothing for me to eat you know I, yeah, I don't totally. want to be that annoying person yeah. um, <laughs> so <laughs> you could never be now I can't give up your pie Sandra I can't I can't do that, but it looks like you're finding some creative new pies to make. So I can't wait. Breaking out some some pie experiments. That's how I've experimented. I I would like to experiment with with a cheese type, a nut cheese, Um, but uh, pie. I've been experimenting with pies, and that's been kind of fun. I made a really good vegan, uh, gluten free too, banana cream pie. It was so good. Oh, that looked so good. I saw that on Instagram. It looked amazing. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. I was really, I was really and once, and once you know how to do, like, get the consistency right with recipes like that, then you can really experiment and do all kinds of cool true, stuff. True. True. Because, yeah, because I, I made a custard. So it's like, oh, well, I could make this, you know, you could, you could take that skill with, you know, it translates to lots of other different sauces or anything, yeah. really. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Or even the cheese sauce that I make, I could exchange the nutritional yeast and salt for some cocoa powder and sugar. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. See, you're creating all the time, Caitlin, like you just, that's what you do. 
That's what I, it seems like. Better. You know what I mean? Like you are, you, yeah. I love that. That's how your mind works. You're constantly creating and tweaking and, and making something beautiful. And I bet you Thomas is eating because you're cooking it too, right? I mean, this is what, yeah. this is what we're having. And so he'll give it a try. Um, Steve and Grady are totally fine with me removing meat from, um, from our menus planning, but that hasn't stopped them from eating out. And having meat, yeah. but the other night we were going to see Ira Glass and I said, can we go, it's going to sound really silly, but I said, can we go to a fast food restaurant before? And she was like, well, okay, what? And I said, um, it's called Amy's drive through I don't know if you guys get any Amy's products, but it's, um, no. veg- oh, yeah, yeah, we do here. Yeah. yeah. Vegetarian. You can get frozen meals. Anyhow, she has a drive through here in Sonoma County. And so they do have vegan options. They have gluten-free options, but I go in there and I was like, is everything there's no meat here. And the woman's like, no, not at all. I was like, great. And so we got a vegan burger. It was just so delicious. So wonderful. And you could get a side salad that was huge as a side salad. So we ended up splitting that with the three of us. It was enough for all three of us. And I thought, what a great, it's, and and it's positioned right next door to In-N-Out Burger. Do you know what that is, Caitlin? Yeah. Uh It's like a very American. It's, it's burgers and fries food. and fast food, yeah, you know, yeah. but that's all they, it's very basic burgers, fries, and sodas. And so Amy's oh. drive through is right next to it. And we were just talking about like the business strategy of that, you know, because this place was so packed and, yeah. um, and so it was in and out, <laughs> you know, but we live in a County where there's a lot of really beautiful food. There's a lot of vegetarians. Um, and so it was like, it was so needed and what a great place to be next to now. I don't even, and I used to love those in and out burgers, but these last 40 days, I'm like, that doesn't even sound good. Didn't no, sound that's good. that's the whole point. Once you, once you sort of make the switch and you start um, eating, you know, more mindfully and, you know, more nutritionally, um, you don't miss the junk food. I know. I haven't all. missed it. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's Although I have been eating... I have been eating yeah. chips and guacamole. I don't know if that's considered junk food, but <laughs> considered necessary. <laughs> Avocado is a superfood, isn't it? <laughs> but um, yeah, I find myself craving broccoli. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. I just did a tempura the other night and <laughs> used broccoli in it. And I was like, I don't know how healthy this is, but <laughs> yeah, it turned out, I know. F- turned out great. <laughs> I know. There's some things that I, yeah, I question exactly like my chips and guacamole. Like it's, it's vegan, but I don't know if it's not necessarily health food, but. <laughs> Progress, not perfection, right? <laughs> oh, well, we are in, we're getting kind of towards the end here, Caitlin. And I know there's like a million more things we could ask you. And, um, but we were going to, we do like this thing at the end. Well, is there anything else that you want to say? Is there any. Um, I know we had talked briefly just about, um, one thing that we didn't touch on was just about physical exhaustion in early sobriety. And I don't know if, if you have time to chat about that, but I know sometimes it looks like, like all roses and unicorns and rainbows for some of us in sobriety that have a little bit of time, but in early sobriety, there is a kind of a component of, I remember just needing to sleep. And, yeah. and I remember you mentioned that to me. You, did, did you, did yeah. you, do you still feel that way at a year? Um, I'm starting to feel much better now. Mm. Definitely. Um, that, and I think that's a, you know, I think that's because I'm, I've been sober longer. I think it's all of the nutritional changes that I've made. Um, I'm, I think I'm on the right, um, dosage of, of thyroid hormones now as well. Um, 
that's also helping. But I just remember, um, you know, myself in early sobriety, sort of looking at all these Instagram posts of, of people who were um, and, you know, I've started jogging and, and, um, and I, Uh oh, I think we lost Caitlin there. For Someone a who was oh, Caitlin, I was, sorry. and perhaps I should have spoken. Yeah, I I totally understand what you're saying. I I um, it can be discouraging when you see that people are doing the couch to five Ks or they're yeah they're they're it running marathons immediately. Yeah, it wasn't so much that it was discouraging. I just felt like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I should be losing yeah. weight. I should be feeling better. Right, I right. Wasn't. I guess that's what I meant yeah. when I said discouraging. Yeah. Just sort of feel, yeah, you're not hearing your own story at all. And so, yeah, you're not doing it right. I just wanted to... <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wanted to sort of say, like, if anyone is in early sobriety and finding that they're utterly exhausted that's, that's also <laughs> normal I was yeah. falling I was I would like I would I would um I would uh get to the to sort of the early afternoon in in the studio and I would think oh you know I'll just I'll meditate for 10 minutes and oh maybe I'll just I'm feeling a bit tired I'll meditate lying down on the floor of my, <laughs> my studio and I would wake up two and a half hours later with uh-huh. you know some drool dripping down my face and body <laughs> aching from lying on the concrete floor um but um yeah it's, it's also another story um so just yeah if that's you don't feel bad it's normal and um yeah and it get better yeah I'll add real quick too I think a lot a, a lot of my experience in early sobriety was that I was so emotionally exhausted yeah. that yeah. that all I could do was go to bed at 6 p.m you know I just couldn't yeah. take any more uh emotional testing or, or I couldn't, uh, I, uh, I couldn't absorb another thing either because no I, more at that thinking. point too, I, yeah, I, I felt like a sponge and I, I would get to my absorption level and I would just have to go to bed. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I was, yep. I think it was, so I quit in February. So January is when I did the hip sobriety school. So almost, I was almost to a year of sobriety. And when I started that school, because I wanted to get up in the morning to do those morning rituals, right, Caitlin, like the morning rituals, an important yeah. part of it, it would be mm-hmm. seven o'clock and I'd go and take a scalding hot shower. And then I'd come out and I'd go, so I'm going to bed and Steve would look at the yeah. clock and he'd go, for real? Like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm totally serious. Yeah. But then I could get uh, up yeah. at four 30 or five and have hours to myself and, or get myself to, um, a 12 step meeting, but I would have that time. And that became super important to me. Um, yeah. I didn't mind going to bed early. It was like, I, my body just craved it at that time. Yeah. It's funny though. That that was another thing. Like I would be exhausted during the, the day and wide awake at night. <laughs> Oh, really? So I had like, yes, the first, that was the thing. I couldn't sleep at nighttime. Mm-hmm. I would lie I, awake and just, I just couldn't find. And that was one of the things that kept me drinking as well, because I was just terrified of those nights of not being able to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and what helped me with that was a tip I got from Laura McCowan, actually, um, that she said that in, in early sobriety, she had the same same affliction and she would listen to Pema, Pema Chodron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in her 
um, in you know on her phone. And I, I mean, I must have listened to "Getting Unstuck." I don't know, maybe over a hundred times. Oh already. yeah, I would just kind of turn it on, and it would sort of lull you back to sleep. Yeah, or and not. yet, yeah, or, and, or if it didn't. I would, I I felt like I was using the time productively somehow. And I would always Mm -hmm. hear some new message. Every time I listened, I would hear my understanding of something that she was teaching would be deeper. And, um, I don't know, like she, she, she was, um, that, that audio book was really sort of instrumental in, um, in my sobriety for sure like this learning to stay business this stop you know when we stop running away from our our fears and our pain and learn to stay um I really learned learned a lot about how to do that from from that book I love that yeah good early sobriety tips yeah thank you Caitlin um so do you do you have some unruffled toolbox items to share with our listeners three things Uh, I do I do I put some I put some thought into it earlier today and I think one of the biggest ones I mentioned already was um learning and reading and doing equals that's um has been yeah it's given me it's given me a lot of purpose and sort of uh, reassured me that I am in fact smart enough to learn learn new things (laughs) um so that's been that's been one of like a, a really good one. Our gratitude circle is one of the most important oh, pieces. It is. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, Caitlin is part of our gratitude circle. I think we have about 10 women and, um, I love, I love when you write cause you just are such a beautiful writer and you make me think about a lot of things that I, mine are always so short cause I'm illustrating them. And so my thoughts are there at home with me. I don't, you guys don't get all of them, but I love reading yours cause it really goes deeper. So, yeah, I love your list too. Yeah, I love everyone's lists. I mean, it's I just know. such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful practice for, for so many reasons that, you know, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it reminds me to be grateful for things that I had forgotten that I could be grateful for. Um, and there's just this closeness and this trust that we've kind of, um, that we've established with each other it's become much richer than than a gratitude circle even you know yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah um my daily meditation practice uh is also key I don't have any not a day goes by when I don't meditate um and even if it's you know some days I can only do three minutes of of a breathing exercise um but on a good day it's um it's 10 minutes or 11 minutes of vipassana meditation so just sitting um do you use an app or anything i use the insight timer just just to time to time it Mm -hmm. um but i also do kundalini meditations if i'm if i'm working on something specific like i've been doing um i've been doing one to help heal my glandular system so Mm -hmm. you know including my thyroid Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm doing, I'm doing, a, I'm doing one, um, like a set with Guru Singh on teachable.com right now for forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, which is also really, really beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think, um, yeah. yeah. And then the, I think the final one would be nutrition, you know, um, what we, what we put, what we feed ourselves with, um, really, I mean, it's one of the most fundamental things that we do on a daily basis, right? That we 
that we that we uh, like a way that we care for ourselves yeah for sure and when I'm when I'm eating well and being yeah and choosing kind food it it really it feels like um a a really like a big self-care piece for me Mm -hmm. yeah I agree it almost kind of indirectly ups your whole vibe for me oh totally yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah and it's in alignment with who I am as well like I feel really in yeah exactly yeah thank you Caitlin I I noticed as we're recording this and I just want to I mean we'll probably talk about this in the intro Um, because you're in Germany we've I've had a little bit of sound just kind of drop out a tiny bit throughout the interview nothing longer than probably half a second but we're going to go ahead and just leave all of this it's not going to be perfect and I hope you're okay with that because it's kind of that's just how it went (laughs) oh look totally yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah the the first thing that you shared you dropped out for me a tiny bit so I just wanted to ask before we get off the phone in case the listeners it was learning and reading and doing and I didn't hear the last part of that e-courses right oh e-courses e-courses yeah thank you you. Yeah, writing courses and yeah. yeah. Same. I, I do a lot of that too. I really, that it's, it's, um, it's just that progress. Like you're, you're, that you can grow. You're just growing with all of those every well, time. Yeah. And it's just amazing now that if there's something that you want to learn about, there's a course that you can do on it. It's just, I, know. It's so, I mean, it's so incredible. I know. Right? We're all around the same age. So I know that yeah. still never gets past me. It's like, <laughs> you can actually just walk into your living room, turn on your computer and learn anything. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I kind of had to put the brakes on myself though at the beginning of the summer because I was just signing up for everything. I know. <laughs> I it's just getting expensive. And then at some point you're like, yeah. wait, I'm not actually doing anything. I'm just <laughs> yes. for content. But well, you can yeah. get overlooked yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was, sure. Yeah, you know, I was feeling guilty. I was feeling guilty about being behind on my coursework and I was just like this is not how it's supposed to feel <laughs> it's supposed to be an addition to right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. that shift in perspective that's yeah. key oh. well, yeah thank, thank you totally. so much for sharing this day with us Caitlin this will air yes. on on Monday um, oh. September 4th but today is yeah. your big day and well every day is your big day really but just I want to thank you so and much thank you yeah, and thank you guys for, you know, inviting me in to the gratitude circle and giving me the opportunity to to create the music for your podcast and oh, and for the Recovery Gals Art Exchange and for everything that you have brought to my life Aww. every single day this past year. I really well, I feel yeah. very lucky that yeah. we've that we have gotten to know each other in all those ways. Very lucky. Me too. Yeah. Sobriety is such a blessing in that way, right? Yeah. 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 Begin to to list. There's all our connection. There's our theme for this uh, next art exchange. Just the connection. Yeah. It's just been going on for a while now. And to to get, you know, to look at, like I said, I looked at your work. I looked at your words and to feel connected to someone without having to physically meet them. Right. Like that will be the icing on the cake for me when I come to Berlin and I get to see your studio and then we get to do all that. So it's going to be great. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Either here or in San Francisco. That's right. Or or maybe Austin. Or maybe Austin. I think I feel it coming on. Let's uh, let's manifest that, ladies. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, Caitlin. How do you not name it books? <laughs> That's right. Yep. Jot it down. <laughs> Thanks, Caitlin. Have a beautiful night with I your beautiful new ladies. hair. I cannot wait to see what your hair looks yeah, like. I'm super excited. to see. Yeah. Thank you. You could totally right, pull it off. I know that. We'll see. I don't know. No, might be well, turban, turban time for a couple of months. <laughs> um, I've seen you in your turbans and you rock those too. So yeah, yeah. good time in mm-hmm. All right, friend, have a great rest of your night. Thank your family for letting us borrow you. Yeah. You guys have a great, uh, great long weekend. Okay. okay bye, bye Caitlin. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer Chris Aguirre. Thanks for listening.